hang on, hang on, hang on. You're not going to ask us how oh, we're do doing? You? I mean, come on. No, John. I don't want to ask how you're doing. You always do. What's your problem? But we never that? do anything. I'm. Well, I'm I guess doing since good you're if paying, wants you're paying to us know. triple time, <laughs> you're paying us triple time yeah. to record on a holiday, so yep. I guess that's your Three problem, times nothing's right? nothing. So, okay, let, let me. <laughs> okay. Two, three, four. <laughs> Right along for another exciting episode of No Driving Gloves, where Derek, John, and Will will use over 75 years combined industry knowledge to bring you a bare-knuckled view on the collector car hobby. So let's get rolling. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I know I'm full. A uh, little bit of turkey, a little bit of ham, all that fun stuff. How was your uh, holidays, and how was uh, you guys up to anything special this week? Of course. Or the, or the day before Thanksgiving, but I know what I mean. It, it was all right. Why do you always have to ask how we're doing or what we've... Why do you always have to ask how we're doing or what we're doing? Like, can't we just do the podcast and talk about stuff, John? Because we're important people and they thrive on us telling them every week that we don't do anything. Oh, gotcha. Well, I ate too much. Um, ham, turkey, beans, potatoes, potato salad. Uh, so, typical Thanksgiving. Got to play around with some stuff in the garage. You know, worked on cars uh, during the long, extra days off work, let's call it, the long weekend. So, I had a good time. Enjoyed it. Will, did you give your guys a day off, or did you uh, force them to come in and just give them cold turkey sandwiches on Thursday? They took Thursday off. I'm not sure if they worked Friday or not, to be honest with you, <laughs> being that Friday is not game yet. Uh... Check the time cards and find out, right? <laughs> um, no, uh, we took Thursday off, um, came in for a little while on Friday. Um, my wife and I have been Black Friday shopping together for 15 years. It's kind of our thing that, uh, we do together and, you know, we really don't, I mean, we buy some stuff, but it's more of just, uh, you know, us getting to hang out by ourselves and, uh, there's you know, something in, odd with that statement. In, in, How do you hang out by yourself on Black Friday? Last year I went out on Black Friday and I stood in line with 250 people. Well, you know, no kids. Let me no, there were, there were kids there. And, um, well, my kids aren't with me, all right? I ain't worried about anybody else's kids, all right? I made some um, good friends in the line. Well, friends for 20 minutes while we were in line. You're supposed to fight with people on Black Friday, not become their friend. <laughs> Come on, John. <laughs> Oh, but no, we, we've been doing that for a long time and we just enjoy doing that together. And so we, we always have a good time on Black Friday and travel a little bit on Thanksgiving, go to uh, my wife's grandmother's house and hang out with them and like I said, eat too much and whatnot. So that's, uh, that's what we did. 
Well, let's bring this to the uh, collector car hobby a little bit and figure out how we, we talk about not ever doing anything with our days. But in this world we live in, I know I, I know I spend a little bit too much time in front of the computer monitor. It kind of trickles down from the uh, fourth floor where the administrative offices are that maybe I sit too much, spend too much time in front of a computer. And I'm sure... Derek spends a little bit of time there, and I know Will would love to hire somebody so he doesn't have the opportunity to hang out in front of his computer because he wanted the theme of tonight's podcast to be something like Big Oak Garage hiring administrative assistant or something like that. <laughs> That's right. BigOakGarage.com. Send me an email. So if you're actually looking, check it out. But, uh, I figured we would go ahead and talk about some of the websites that are kind of our go-tos, the ones that we we need to go to, to a lot of twos in that statement. Websites we visit quite often, allowing us to enable operation of our, our doing of our jobs, performing of them. And, well, this one doesn't necessarily... It's a weekly visit for me. I get their digest every Monday morning, and it's kind of a... Good way to start off Monday because it reminds you some people had a worse life than you do. And that's a, I don't know if you guys have ever visited or seen anything from the website wreckedexotics.com. Mm-hmm. I have. But Wrecked Exotics, it's a, it's a website that really, it really shouldn't exist. But people worldwide submit to it, and I'm sure it's based in um, some Asian company, some Middle Eastern company uh, or country, as it the English isn't always the best there. It's exactly what it is, you or what the title says it is. It's a website, and all it is is people that have crashed their exotic cars over the last couple of weeks. And you guaranteed to see some Italian exotic on fire because a Ferrari's on fire every week. And for a period of time over, it's kind of ended about two or three months ago, every week you'd see the latest BMW, and I'm drawing a blank on what the big $100,000 electric car is. There was always one of those crashed. But it's just a, it's a cool place to visit. Remind you, rich people have problems too. There's where I'm going to take off. It's rectexotics.com. Who's got another one for us tonight? Well, I, I've never uh, looked at rectexotics.com, but I might have to check it out now. One of my personal favorites, and of course, being the brass era guy and early car guy here, I'm going to be the oddball out probably. But I always like to check out the old motor. So at present, we're we're messing with some teens and twenties vehicles at work. So I've I've visited there recently. So theoldmotor.com is a good place to go to read. You know, it's a lot of more stories and historical information on cars. Just things that contributors to the website and the uh, gentleman who runs the website have found in their research on working on cars or just digging around in the files of history and just some really cool stuff pops up on there on random things from 
I mean, early race, different races like the Vanderbilt Cup races or some of the early Indy 500 races, the early road races that were run all around the country, all the way to just information on early manufacturers of automobiles. And it's just, there seems to always be an interesting story on the old motor and just something to kind of lose yourself in for a few minutes and, and learn something new about the early auto industry. So one of my, you know, probably more favorite websites to visit and uh, just learn a little bit that I might not know and pick up a new story here or there or interesting fact. So that's, that's one of my kind of intriguing websites to look at. Is it a forum-based website, or is it a chat room type thing, or is it just a blog style, or how, how do they disseminate their information? I'm not very good with technology, modern technology, obviously, but I guess you would maybe call it a blog website. I mean, if you've been on it, John, you probably know the definitive term better than me, but I would call it probably a blog website because it's stories in sections. Does, I, don't, I don't know. I don't reckon I've ever been on it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, this is what the episode's for, is to educate everyone on places to visit. Now, Will, what do you got? Well, it's probably nothing shocking here. Um, one of my favorite websites to go to is uh, thejalopyjournal.com and hop on the ham and uh, check out. You know, I really like the for sale side of things a lot. Um, I get on there and see what's for sale. Actually sold a couple of vehicles on the ham. Used to be really active on the ham, not quite as active as I used to be. Um, but there's some really cool. It's more of a forum type deal. Uh, you can get on there, and you know a lot of people, you know, ask questions about traditional hot rods, and that's really what it's about: is really traditional hot rods, not rat rods, not junk rods, not street rods, just like they were built, you know, in the sixties. That's, that's ultimately my favorite type of, of build, uh, like the Gulf 32 that we built. Now, Will, I got to ask, and there's uh, just I, a lot of good information. A lot of, I, I got to ask you, Will. I, I was on the ham for a long time when I was younger and, uh, I, I actually got away from it for a while cause it, it seemed to get away from the traditional hot rodding. Uh, I haven't been back on in, in quite some time, but I'm sure I could probably log in again and uh, still have my old handle and everything. But is it is it back to kind of being the traditional hot rodding and stuff like that? Because that's, that's what I liked about it. Yeah, it really has really geared more into traditional hot riding than ever before. Yeah, it did kind of get off the beaten path a little bit. And, um, and they, they revamped the whole website and forum four or five years ago. Um, and they've really kind of been sticklers, uh, about it. I know, uh, a couple of friends of mine actually kind of got booted off because of not using the right terminology and not, you know, talking about the period specific, you know, builds and stuff like that. And, uh, if, if you're into rat rods and stuff like that, this is not your website. Um, it is, it is really geared toward traditional built 60 50 maybe some early 70s maybe 
um, period correct hot rods from back in the day. Um, you know, they're not into shiny billet wheels, you know, none of that stuff they want on their website or their forum. You know, it's, if, you know, if it's, uh, if it's an aluminum wheel, it better be a, a, a an early Haldebrand or, you know, some magnesium type wheels or steel wheels. You know, you're not going to have any billet wheels or anything like that. Uh, maybe some that, maybe some billet wheels that don't look like billet wheels. I know a lot of people are doing that now. It's kind of a hot thing is to make a, you know, a set of big window Haldebrands, but make them in a 20 inch versus a 16, uh, which is about all they made them in, 15 and 16. So, um, but it, it it's really went back to the roots of where it was founded on. Uh, which is which is good you know good for what i like and good for what you like too Derek. that's good to hear that's great to hear yeah yeah it's it's really went back to its roots and i i enjoy it so all right john you're next so one that i've been going to for years goes back to when i was goofing off at my uh historical conservation job in between car jobs and that it's a it's a blog website it's just a car guy.blogspot.com i think you can actually get to there by just a car guy.com put on by a guy named jesse bowers he and i've communicated a few times over the years but he started this website in 2006 and he puts up five or six articles every day it's exactly if i had a blog site what i would want my blog site to be covers everything if it has to do automotive um his cover art right now is the high life which is a ford falcon gasser lighting up the tires gold car and just i mean on the front page today let's see he's got mentions rod hall's 80th birthday on november 22nd uh let's see here another article on his cover talks about a bmw 2002 turbo then he jumps to something on Bridgestone winter driving schools and talks MotoGP, and there were 1,126 crashes this year. And then, I get, you know, he, I guess he's out of California, so I'm assuming he visited SEMA because this is a truck from Linex. It's an international harvester utility on a Dodge chassis powered by a Hellcat. He just covers everything. He's a Mopar guy. Uh, at one point in time, I don't know if he still has it, but he had a Velocitor, and I've mentioned I've had two Velocitors in my life. Never met the guy in person, but one day I'll get, get to California, or I'll convince him to come visit me. I've sent him some stuff for some of his articles when he mentions motorcycles, and I can go take a, you know, he talks about this extremely rare motorcycle, and I go take a picture of it and send it to him. But it's just a cool one to hit. It's one of those, you know, you're, just wanted to t kind of take a break over lunch or something, pop on it. I've even got a little shortcut on my iPad. I can just push it, go right there. I don't even have to type the domain in. Just a good site that uh, covers damn near everything uh, when it comes to cars uh, and some stuff you've never seen or talked about before. I guess then that jumps us to Derek's turn, I believe. All right, I got to fire off another website here that I spend way too much time on. 
Well, I think we've covered a couple blog type websites. Um, you know, John's, I guess, a blog type website about wrecked expensive exotic cars. Will mentioned a little bit about the ham being a place where there's some classifieds. So I think my next one that I would spend probably a lot of time on one or two times a week taking a look at what's out there is a website called prewarcar.com. And uh, it, as you can tell by the name, it, it's mainly for pre-war cars. And it's there are articles on it, you know, blog type articles. There's There's a lot of different pages within the website that you can go to. But I spend most of my time in the classifieds, and it's actually kind of interesting because there's two different pre-war car websites. There's actually a European non-U.S. website. There's also a, a U.S. website, so you kind of have to pay attention to where you are uh, on the website itself and what you're looking at. Uh, but if you get into the classifieds, you can kind of search all over the world for what's for sale and some some really fantastic cars come up on there usually well out of my price range but you know you never know what you might stumble upon but it's also a good way to kind of keep an eye on what the market's doing with the pre-war vehicles and just kind of like i say see what's out there and you know dream if you had more money what you might be able to buy and import to the u.s to have a little fun with, with a brass air car or even horseless carriage. So uh, one of my, you know, favorite kind of classified ad type websites, if I'm looking for something more reasonably priced that I might actually be able to afford from the thirties or forties or fifties, I tend to then just search Craigslist because those tend to be the cars I can afford. So did you just mention your third one, Craigslist? No, that was my Number two and a half. How's that? <laughs> that was my, it, it was my rich man uh, website, poor man website choice. How's that? What one, you know, if, if you've got the money, go to prewar.com to buy your car. If you're working on a budget, see what you can find on Craigslist. Yeah, there you go. So where do you go to buy cars, Will? On the internets. To buy cars or parts? Either one. Because you can buy parts for pre-war cars on prewarcar.com too. There's a whole parts section. Fantastic. Well, I, I find myself on two separate websites a good bit looking at stuff for sale. And one of those is racingjunk.com. Uh, it's mainly drag racing type stuff. But they also have a really good... They're classified on there as really, really good. Uh, they have enclosed trailers, uh, toter homes, you know, they even have go-kart racing stuff. So I don't know. I just find my, I find it interesting. Not that I'm looking for a drag car or anything like that, uh, but they do have street machines and stuff on there too. Uh, but their, their main kind of core is, is, you know, any type of racing, uh, stuff. So, uh, I go in there and look for stuff for sale. Um, M autofied is modified, but it's spelled M autofied. I get on there a good bit too. Uh, it's mainly geared towards more later model custom cars, a lot of, you know, bagged and 
body dropped mini trucks and full size trucks and lifted trucks and uh, just you know stuff like that. So I find myself on them a good bit when I'm when I'm not on the ham looking for stuff for sale. What about you, John? When you're looking for stuff for sale, what do you uh, what do you go to? The nice thing where I'm what I do is everybody calls me with cars for sale, but the two that I go to that I'm always kind of fantasizing about, well, if I had a barn or if I had a garage and I had money, that last one's the big key thing there. <laughs> I wouldn't care about the barn or garage if I had money. Uh, the two, and most everybody I think is aware of them and maybe visits them, is uh I get digests, so I really don't go to the sites. I just get the emails once a day from each place. I probably, if I really cared, should get individual emails. But that would be Bring a Trailer, uh, bringatrailer.com, and um, barnfinds.com. Bring a Trailer is a smattering of just about everything. You'll find rare Porsches. You'll find Miatas. You'll find Z cars. You'll find. You name it, they just basically run auctions. They put up about 20 new auctions five days a week. They run for, a, a, I think they run for about a week. And some things sell, some things don't. Reading the comments is probably the best thing. The The guys that go to this site know their cars, and you eventually learn who the BSers are and the annoying ones. But you also learn the guys that know what they're talking about. It's just it's just a wealth of knowledge. If you want to learn something about whatever a Ma- Mazda Cosmos, so it'll be one that pops up. You know, maybe you'll see two a year on there. There's been a couple of the uh, Adam Carolla, uh, Bob Sharp uh, Z cars sold on there. So even historic historically significant race cars, low mileage Miatas all the time, low mileage Z3s. Bring it's just it and, and they sell for. Everything sells for reasonable money. Nobody's too crazy with their reserves and that. And then the other one, Barn Finds, is kind of a flip. They put up about 10 cars a day or so. And it can be anything from a 77 Dodge Tradesman, whatever the vans they sold. Because Dodge, like typical Chrysler over the years, they used to sell your Shagan wagons from the seventies that were kind of pre-modified from the factory. And you'll see those pop up on there. And you'll, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, there was a Suzuki Swift GTI that was a rusted out Hulk of a unibody car. So not worth buying, but it's something you've seen, you'll see there two rare muscle cars or station wagons or El Caminos or, you know, there was a 79 Corvette on there today that, could use an LS swap and then they discuss an LS swap and you just see some stuff that really you've forgotten about that. I think most of their writers are a little bit younger than us. I've applied for a writer job to there a couple of times, but I'm always, you know, throwing it together in the middle of middle of the day. So it's really not a wholehearted effort to apply for a, a writer job for them. But I think most of them are a little bit younger than than what I am, so they have a little bit different outlook on the cars. If you want to find an Omni GLHS or just stupid stuff from the 70s and 80s, uh, Barn Finds is probably your place. Now, John, I've got to ask, um, 
the first website you mentioned, Bring a Trailer, you said that they sell, you'll find Miatas on there occasionally? I would say there's a couple on there all the time. Okay, because, I mean, in our last episode, I, I seem to remember that there were some, you know, automotive journalists out there that thought they were worthless collectibles. <laughs> well, they might be. But I think that same automotive journalist said something about Volkswagen GTIs and another website we can hit on. I don't go to very often, but I see a lot of news from them is Petrolicious. And they had a huge article today on the GTI. I linked it to our Facebook page. And it's what I want to say. It's totally opposite of what that article said. And right now I'm looking at a 1990 Mercedes-Benz 500 SL AMG 6.0. Now, we talked the 300 SL last week being was on the list, but this one's on Bring a Trailer right now, 8500 bucks for a 500 SL AMG. Uh, it's one that I said would be more collectible than the 300 SL, but there's one of those that's not collectible. I don't know if I've got get a Miata to pop up. Porsche Turbo, Sunbeam Tiger. Ferrari Testarossa. I think Will needs that uh, 500 SL, uh, you know, shop car. Yeah. Hey, I'd take it. I saw one today. I saw something today that would... Oh, it it was on Bring a Trailer. No, it wasn't. It was on Barn Finds. I'm sorry. 1973 Mercedes 450 SL. Uh, gold BBS wheels. Uh, period ground effects. Euro spec car imported in the mid 80s and as a gray market car has not run since um what do i want to say 1990 i can't remember what the price of it was and i instantly went through my head is ls swap and i go there's will's car and then of course i got into the comments and the first comment is well this would be great for an ls swap and the second comment is You'd be nuts if you tear, destroy this car by doing an LS swap. And then the third comment is, Mercedes is now selling kits to retrofit modern Mercedes drivetrains in these old Mercedes. And I'm going, anyway, this just sounds like Will's car. That's right. Let's do it. Which, now I'm going to sidetrack us, got me thinking, we talk a lot about the LS swaps going on and being thrown into cars and how easy it is to do. And, I mean... I can pick up the Summit catalog or I can call my GM dealer and order an LS motor with 515 horsepower ready to drop into a car with a with a warranty from General Motors. And on this SL, and you see it a lot, you're destroying the cars by putting these LS motors in there. There's two books, and we'll talk about them probably in next week's episode. Um, and one's called... Uh, Bowtie Ferraris, and there's another one, something about Fords and Ferraris. And this book basically covers all these historic Ferraris that have had in the 60s, because Ferraris were parts were on obtainium, people stuck Chevrolet 350s in them. And all of these Ferraris that the guy documents, all these Ferraris by serial number that had had V8s in them and were campaigned with V8s. And then when the car started to become worth money, the Ferrari owners put correct motors back in them. The gentleman who authored these books actually had a class approved for Pebble Beach for bowtie Ferraris. But nobody would enter their Ferrari in the class, so it never happened. 
because the present owners don't want to admit that those cars were violated in the 60s. I guess you could kind of think it is uh, kind of what Hollywood's going through right now. It's just kind of a scandal that the cars were handled incorrectly at a point in their life. That's just a complete side note why we now can jump to Derek's next choice of websites. I want to touch on Bring a Trailer for just a second. Um, it was a car that we actually done a good bit of work on, just sold on Bring a Trailer, the, the little 67 Datsun Fair Lady. I saw that one. Yep, yep. He just, I mean, it sold like yesterday on Bring a Trailer, going to, uh, I think, somewhere in California. So, but yeah, so it's a pretty good website if you want to sell stuff to. It wasn't, I mean, it hadn't been gone from here, but, a couple of months and he still had a, a good bit of work to do to it. He, he done all the detailing on it and stuff like that. But, um, and we painted a few items on it and, uh, it was kind of a basket case and we put it together for him and, uh, and then he stuck it on there and it wasn't, it wasn't on there long. So it brought 10, 10, five for a, a decent little modified fair lady. It wasn't an original car. So that's, that's pretty good money for, for uh, an uh, an early Datsun modified, I, I think anyway. It looks like there's a like about an eighty Toyota pickup on here. There's a you know your traditional Land Rover, uh, one for you, Will. Right now, current bid price sixty two fifty nineteen twenty nine Essex Hot Rod. Essex Hot Rod. What did what Lakester style Hot Rod? Uh, 29 Essex uh, was built by a slow pokes club member, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Built from a, I don't know, let's see, it says something about fabricator from parts from a third, <laughs> sorry, Derek's going to cry, but 34 Packard sedan, 27 Ford, uh, it's being run with a General Motors three point or 2.5 Iron Duke inline four. Uh, hey. Iron Duke. Yeah. That's the whole reason why those Camaros were 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 junk, Yeah, I was right? gonna say. I remember the Iron Duke from last episode. <laughs> uh, Chrysler. Oh, that's hilarious. Chrysler steering box, Ford F one hundred drum brakes. So I mean, they cover everything. I'm not gonna say this car is gonna sell for seven grand or six grand. It probably has a reserve on it, but. Yeah, it's a sweet little sweet street ride, and you know, at six grand, I'd put it in my garage. I mean, that sounds like well, yeah, we just admit. yeah, that sounds like I'm pretty sure uh, Johnny Cash sang a song about cars like that, one piece at a time. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And that's how you put these together. Yeah, and you know, honestly, we we like to talk about the car hobby. That's one way to do it. That is one way. If if you're and I have a couple friends that are building Model T hot rods this way and uh, early Chevy touring car hot rods this way. You know, they've been for the last five years as they find parts, they're collecting them, you know, buy a frame one day, maybe a year later, find the axles that they want for it. You know, six months later, find a, an engine that they want to put in it. And that's that's the way you do it. So, you know, it's it's kind of a prime example of how that happens. Well, back when hot rodding originated, that's that's all you could do. There wasn't one eight hundred send me hot rod parts. Yeah, I mean you had to go to 
junk yards and salvage yards and um you know your buddy's wrecked car out behind his house whatever and rob parts off of it whether you're trying to make it modern or why you're trying to make it a traditional hot rod i mean that that's that's how you had to do it before all these big box store you know hot rod parts very true very know? true well, wasn't it oh what's his name pete Samporis at pete's pete. Pete Sephora. Pete Sephora. Yep. He, he started what? Yeah. Yep. He recently uh, he passed earlier this year, but didn't it wasn't he one of the first ones to kind of put together that street ride catalog and uh, SoCal sure Spe- SoCal Speed Shop and sure was. he was he began the industry that most of us rely on on a daily. I'm going to see most of our listeners rely on on a daily basis now. So. Yep, Pete and Pete and Jake. Yep, I... Pete Chaporis was a uh, a very, very, very good man. Very good man. And I, I listen to a, I'll plug a plug a podcast here since we're plugging other things. Um, I listened to Shift and Steer, and he was one of the uh, four co-hosts on that. It's uh, Aaron Hagar, Matt the Motorator, DeAndrea, and Brad Fanshaw. And it used to be those four guys, and they've never replaced Pete on the show. And I went, I started listening to him after Pete's passing, but he was a very crucial part. As I've been tried to catch up on some of their back back episodes, and very, I I never met him. Obviously, Will's had a little bit more experience with him, but I guess that that's plugging a podcast that I listen to that. You know, it's also a way to spend the day and learn about the industry because it you ha- you have to get out and you have to indulge yourself in this to know it and see ev- see everything. There's just so much information to put in our little heads, and we're here trying to do the same for you, Derek. You got another one? Uh, I feel like I'm stuck on early car stuff, but that's what I spend a good chunk of my life outside of work doing. So I'm always. Say, let, let me try to bring it modern for you. And maybe you don't want to go there. Do you have a Corvette website that you think is the end all Corvette website or modern GM website or something like that? I, I mean, I, I look at a few of those periodically, for work, see what's going on in the Corvette world. Corvette Blogger is one of the the larger Corvette webs. Uh, I guess you'd call it forum websites. You know, people. Well, it's blog forum. People can get on there and talk and comment and read stories. Uh, there's there's a few different ones that I'll I'll hit and look at the different stories that are out there on significant Corvettes that either people have written articles about, people are commenting about, or maybe they're headed to auction, they're coming up for sale, something like that. So there are a few of the Corvette ones that I do go to, especially for work reasons. Do some research, do some just... And one of the big things for anybody that doesn't maybe understand in the museum world how we work, uh, especially what curators try to do in our jobs. One of the big things I always try to do as a curator is 
keep track of where, especially significant cars that fit the collection that I'm working with are at, who owns them or what collection they're in or what museum owns them. That way, when I'm developing the collection or developing exhibits within the museum, I can kind of quickly go to where I need to go to say, if it's privately owned, hey, can we borrow that car for this exhibit? You know, so I I try to keep up on where things are moving in that Corvette world now. Obviously, when I was at the Crawford Auto Aviation Museum before I was here at National Corvette Museum, I was trying to keep up more pace on where most of the Cleveland-built cars were that were significant to automotive history and Cleveland history, things like that. So, yeah, there are a a number of Corvette websites. Like I say, Corvette bloggers, one I've hit quite frequently just to see some of the stories that are coming out um, and just kind of keep up on what's going on in the Corvette world. So I guess that brings it up into the modern times. Well, Will, do you have one to close out this conversation? Kind of a roundtable discussion? Yeah, I, I do. Um, it's it's one that I really need to start going back to. I, I, I tend to hit websites and, and forums and stuff to the type of car or cars mm-hmm. that we're building in the shop right now. And, and right now there's a lot of more traditionally inspired cars that we're building but like when we were building the dart and uh, several of the other cars in the past uh there's a website called lateral g that i would go to a lot and it's the total opposite end of the spectrum of the ham in where it's more in making your car handle better a lot of autocross type stuff going on there uh, I know Ride Tech's a big sponsor of that that forum, um, you know, and 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 modern modern modernizing your '69 Camaro into a street machine, uh, and it, it's not just geared towards that, but that is the biggest thing for it. I mean, it is called Lateral G, so um, you know, obviously suspension and and you know what wheels and tires and coilovers and shocks and how to adjust your, you know, your, your, your over is different from, you know, running an autocross to getting on a, a road course. So there's a lot of really good information on that website as well. And they'll do, you know, they'll do a story a week or a month. Or I, I think it's a week. Every week they'll pick a car and kind of write a nice little article about it and the, the builder and the owner and, you know, how it, how it came about and, They've actually got a pretty good classified on that website as well. Uh, but that that's another one that I, I tend to migrate to whenever we're building more of a street machine type car, uh, whether it's looking for parts or just posting build photos. They've got a, they've got a section on the forum where you can post up uh, photos of, of your build process and whatnot. So, that's uh, it's a pretty good site to go to if if you're into into that type of thing. Well, I think that's kind of a little roundtable. I don't know if it's so much as a discussion as each of us telling you kind of how we 
five or six different places we go and what they are. So you've got 15, 17 different places now to visit on the internets over the next week as you're enjoying, uh, what is what is that, Cyber Monday and and such as the week goes on. A couple of these places, like I said, go check them out, see what you like. Let us know if you've got some suggestions where you think it would benefit us. Uh, pl- please go ahead and send them to our email, social media, and uh, no, no, excuse me, no driving gloves at gmail.com. You can find us no driving gloves on Instagram and Facebook. So, in speaking about this episode and things on the internet, we're going to do a little bit trying to help you guys out. We've discussed our Amazon affiliate link and that's posted on our, we're going to go ahead and uh, put it on some of the social media. It's on our website, depending your Google browser. Sometimes it doesn't pop up on Chrome, and I don't understand that. But we'll have, we'll have mentions of it on Instagram and Facebook for our Amazon affiliate link. And as a way of kind of promoting and helping you through the holiday season, we mentioned in the last episode, we're going to start putting up links throughout the next couple of weeks of things that we utilize in our shops at home and at work uh, that we think would be beneficial to you. And to help you maybe acquire some of this, as you comment to our social media, like our Instagram posts, just as long as we see your name somewhere on our social media every week when we record. So this episode, for instance, will release on the 26th. We'll record again on the 29th. So if you've commented on the episode in those three or four days, we're going to select name. We'll let you know who it is. And we're going to go ahead and give you a $10 gift card. So we're going to give away some gift cards between now and Christmas, one per episode every week until then. And hopefully you'll utilize our Amazon link to go spend that. It's kind of a way to show you that it's not too obtrusive to do. Like I say, it helps helps buy some of the equipment, pay for some of the stuff, pay for our hosting fees with asking nothing out of you. You know, we do have a Patreon. If you just feel you have to give us money, I don't necessarily do such a great job on following up on some of the rewards. And a lot of times, I think tier two, you get an early release of the podcast. But to be honest, sometimes I finish editing the podcast about 20 minutes before it releases. So there's really no such thing as an early early release on some weeks. But it's just, like I said, a kind of a way to mainly tell you what we have in our shops and some of the things we like and we've had a lot of success at. Nothing's going to be sponsored. Nothing's endorsed. It's just us and things we like. And we're going to throw a couple of bucks your way to maybe help you acquire some of that or at least help some people out during the uh, holiday season. So we hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And we look forward to chatting with you over the uh, Christmas holiday. With that said, I'm out of here. You guys want to say goodbye? Later. Good night, John boy. That will get edited out. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Goodbye, Will. Goodbye, John. Goodbye, listeners.